0: Hey listeners, Rob here. Today's release is the fourth experiment we're doing in making audio versions of our written articles. To start out, it wasn't at all obvious that anyone uh, would particularly want to listen to these, uh, but it turns out that they actually get about as many listeners as regular podcast episodes do. Uh, So we've decided to keep going with them, uh, at least for now. Today's article is called Advice on How to Read Our Advice. As the title suggests, it was written with our website content in mind, but plenty of it applies to the career section of the podcast as well. And certainly to the bonus episodes where we members of the 80,000 Hours team uh, chat with one another, uh, such as Arden and my conversation on uh, demandingness uh, back in February 25th of this year. We thought it was important to uh, write this article because we were noticing patterns in how people were potentially reading our articles and applying them in ways that we wouldn't recommend. For example, uh, putting more weight on, uh, on our own opinions than, than even we do ourselves. And we hope that uh, keeping this framing in mind will uh, help people get more out of uh, all of the things that we write and publish. If you'd like to check out the links in the article, you can head to 80,000hours.org slash articles slash advice on how to read our advice with a hyphen between each of those words. And if you've got feedback on these episodes, positive or negative, it'd be great if you could email us at podcast at 80,000hours.org. All right, without further ado, here's me reading advice on how to read our advice. We put this out in November last year and might write it a little bit uh, differently if we were starting again today, Uh, but I think we stand by basically all of the things that we have in there. The biggest contributor was Ben Todd, but a lot of people added their thoughts to the the draft. We found that readers sometimes interpret or apply our advice in ways we didn't anticipate and wouldn't exactly recommend. That's hard to avoid when you're writing for a range of people with different personalities and initial views. So to get on the same page, uh, here's some advice about our advice for those about to launch into reading our website. We want our writing to inform people's views, uh, but only in proportion to the likelihood that we're actually right. So we need to make sure you have a balanced perspective on how compelling the evidence is for the different claims we make on here, and how much weight to put on our advice in your particular situation. What follows is a list of points to bear in mind when reading our site, and some thoughts on how to avoid the communication problems that we face. Number one, we've been wrong before and we'll be wrong again. We still have a lot to learn about how people can best have a positive impact with their careers. And that means, unfortunately, that we make mistakes and change our advice over time. And that means that in a couple of years, we'll no longer stand by a bunch of the claims that we make today. Our positions sometimes change because the world changes. Uh, For instance, a problem that was more pressing in the past can receive a lot of attention and become less pressing over time. And our positions can also change as we just learn more. For instance, we weren't aware of the arguments for the importance of AI policy five years ago, so we didn't feature that path as prominently back then. We also simply make mistakes in our analysis or communication sometimes, and you can see examples of those kinds of mistakes that we've made in the past on our mistakes page. We do our best to check our positions and communicate our confidence in them, and have spent over eight years thinking about how individuals can maximize the impact of their careers. And that means we think our advice is worth considering if you share our aims of making the world a better place. But the topic of how to best have an impact with your career is extremely complex and interdisciplinary. And compared to the attention that it deserves, it has hardly really been explored. We're still at the very beginning of developing our understanding here. For those reasons, our positions sometimes change within a matter of years. It also means that it's hard to ever be more than, you know, about 70% confident in our answers. We aim for our views to be taken seriously, but never to be acted on unquestioningly. So as you read, you might try to strike a balance between what you previously thought what other advisors say, and what we think, depending on how strong you find the empirical and theoretical evidence for each position. Number 2. Many of the questions we tackle are a matter of balance, and different people will benefit from considering opposite messages. Some job seekers are overconfident in their chances of success. It's often useful for them to spend more time coming up with good backup options. Other job seekers are underconfident, and it would be more useful for them to consider some more ambitious or risky options. This makes it really difficult for us to strike a balance between encouraging caution and inspiring people to aim higher than they are right now. More broadly, many questions in career strategy come down to having a balance between different competing considerations. For instance, it's usually both important to try to gain transferable career capital for flexibility and to work towards specific opportunities to have an impact. Some readers focus too much on transferable career capital and will be better served by spending more time thinking about how to aim at a particular pathway, whereas others are overlooking it to the detriment of their long-term impact. When it comes to issues like these, we aim to explain the underlying trade-offs. For instance, we talk through how to work out how highly to prioritize transferable career capital compared to other factors. And this is much harder to communicate than a simple message like focus more on career capital. But unfortunately, any simplified message like that would mislead a substantial fraction of our readers. We think the best way for us to handle these situations is to try to cover both sides of an issue and help people make up their own minds. For instance, we encourage people to both make applications to stretch options, which they think they're unlikely to get, and to prepare backup options. The hope is this should work out well, whether someone is currently too ambitious or not ambitious enough. As a reader, we urge you to bear this problem in mind. Try to work out which side you currently fall on and in which direction you might need to correct. This often comes up when we announce changes in our advice. For example, early on we heavily emphasized earning to give, that is taking a higher earning job in order to donate more to effective charities. We think that's the best option for fewer people than we used to, and that some people overrate it now due to our old advice. We'd like to tell these readers why we changed our mind and expose them to arguments for leaving Owning to Give. On the other hand, Owning to Give is a counterintuitive way to make the world a better place, and most people who haven't read our work before haven't encountered the arguments in its favour, and we still think it's the top option for some readers. So that means that we'd like to convince our long-time readers to consider options outside of Owning to Give, while at the same time introducing newer readers to the idea that Owning to Give is a surprisingly effective way to do good. Unfortunately, it can be pretty hard to accurately convey both messages at the same time, and we sometimes fail to hit the balance right, leading one message to dominate. Another example is that while most people should probably think more about how they can use their career to help solve global challenges, if you're already an enthusiastic seeker of advice on that topic, it might be more important for you to focus a bit more on taking care of your personal needs to avoid burning out. Number three, personal fit matters, so focus more on strategies than simple answers. As the previous section suggests, much career advice just can't be applied universally. Besides a lot of questions being a matter of balance, another challenge is that a person's specific skills and situation play a major role in which options they should focus on. And so if we say a path is a promising way to make a difference, that doesn't mean that it's a promising option for you personally. Even if we think career path A is currently a higher priority than career path B, there are almost always plenty of people who could succeed at A, but all to choose B instead. The most important factors for any given career decision are often the idiosyncratic ones, Not just which organisation you're considering or the seniority of the role, but also the room for advancement in your particular position, whether there are opportunities to truly excel and impress others, whether your supervisor would be a good mentor, and so on. Similarly, your personal fit for a particular position is incredibly important. If you might be better at path B than path A, that can easily make path B best for you. No matter how useful it would be to be a Chinese diplomat, that won't help you plan your career if you were born in Germany. This means our advice can't offer a ranked list of the best careers, that is true for everyone. But unfortunately, when we do talk about specific career paths, this is a lot more concrete and memorable to people uh, than talking about the underlying principles, so it can be easy to overweight the significance of those lists. Rather, we think you should use the options we talk about as a way to generate ideas. The aim is to come up with your own personal shortlist of promising options and then to narrow it down to find the best option for you. To help you do this we also provide decision-making advice and a step-by-step process at the end of the key ideas series these act as a checklist to help you think through your own decisions we also aim to emphasize the importance of personal fit though as we say this content often gets neglected and is harder to apply than a concrete career suggestion a related problem is that there are many career paths that we haven't yet had time to think about or consider at all and by leaving these out we sometimes unintentionally give the impression that we don't think they're promising And of course, there are also many paths that can make sense for an individual, but wouldn't make sense for our audience as a whole. We don't write about these options, which can also give the impression that we don't think they're promising. For instance, one time we encountered a magician who had a realistic chance of landing a national level TV show, but was considering working in consulting otherwise, in part due to our articles on consulting. In that case, the magician path actually seemed to us like a better way to try to gain career capital, but we're not exactly planning to list magician as a recommended career path anytime soon. Again, this means that, as a reader, the challenge is to think about the options that are open to you individually, rather than only focus on the specific paths that we've been able to review and discuss so far. We hope that our articles in Decision Making will be helpful in generating those and comparing between them. One possible solution to the problem of different roles being relevant to different people is to try to flag which article is relevant to which type of person. We do try to do this to some extent, but I have to say that we haven't mastered it because it's often very challenging to know what makes someone a great fit for a career in the first place. We don't want to mistakenly put off a group who could have used our advice. Our hope is that as our research advances, we'll be in a better position to add this kind of detail. But we have to be realistic that it is just very challenging. Some of these challenges make it hard to give easy to absorb advice in general. And you can read more about that problem in the essay Against Advice by Agnes Callard. This is one reason why we aim to supplement our online content with one-on-one advice, uh, even though providing advice like that is much more costly. Number four, older articles on the site may not represent our current views, so do check the publication date. As we noted earlier, our positions have a tendency to change over time, and as a result, the articles we write in the past are usually different than what we would say if we were writing about these topics today, including this one. We have hundreds of pages of content, but only two or three people who work on research, which makes it challenging to keep everything up to date. We aim to add warnings to articles that we no longer feel fully reflect our views, and to be honest, we've not always done a great job of that in the past, but we're trying to be more proactive about it going forward. As a reader, would appreciate if you could bear in mind that the older an article is, the less likely it is to reflect our actual views today. And if there's a conflict between two articles on our site, it's more likely we'll agree with the newer one. Our aim going forward is that the Key Ideas cover page will be the canonical description of what we think at any point in time. If you do find a conflict though, please message us at info@80000hours.org. At Number 5. There are disagreements within the team. We now have over 10 staff members who have a range of opinions and experiences of the world. As a result, there's a healthy diversity of opinion among the 80000hours team about what problems are most pressing, the most promising ways to solve them, and many other questions as well. We think this is actually really useful. Maintaining a variety of perspectives on the team ensures that claims do actually get challenged and we don't become intellectually lazy internally. When writing articles, we try to discuss and resolve disagreements, but that just doesn't always work, and we then have to decide between cutting the relevant section, presenting multiple views, or going with the primary author of the piece. Core articles, like the Key Ideas page, usually give views that almost all of us agree on. On the other extreme, off-the-cuff remarks by Rob on the 80,000 Hours podcast are often his personal views and nothing more than that. While it's natural to talk about the 80,000 hours position on a topic, sometimes what you read only reflects the considered views of one or two team members. So if two of our articles seem to disagree, it may simply reflect a difference of opinion between the authors. Number six, our advice is aimed at a particular audience. We aim our advice at people with an undergraduate or postgraduate degree, who want to make impartial positive impact the main focus of their careers, and especially with a focus on the global problems that we most recommend. We aim our advice primarily at those who live in rich, English-speaking countries, especially the USA and UK. We also aim our advice at those who want to take an especially analytical approach to doing good. Some parts of our advice, like our list of priority paths, are aimed in particular at those who are unusually ambitious and high-achieving. And in general, the more similar you are to this core audience that I've just described, the more applicable our advice will be. That's not, of course, to say that our advice won't be useful if you don't fit our core audience perfectly. Indeed, a lot of the questions that we discuss, such as which global problems are most pressing, are relevant to anyone who wants to do good in an impartial way. It's just that you need to be more cautious about what applies, especially when our advice gets to the level of discussing specific options and actions, rather than the general processes for thinking through strategic considerations or making decisions. Lots of people out there are not in a position to focus their attention on solving big global problems right now, and that's fine. If you are in that fortunate position though, then we hope 80,000 hours will be able to help you. Number seven. Treat doing good as just one important goal. Attempting to maximise your contribution to the world's most pressing problems is an exciting and worthwhile challenge. But there's always more that can be done, which makes it easy to get overwhelmed. Figuring out your best option requires confronting some of the biggest questions out there, and it's normal to feel overwhelmed by them, especially to start. 80,000 hours is primarily about how to maximise your social impact, rather than how to live a good life all things considered. And this can make it seem like we just don't care at all about other goals, and recommend our readers focus on doing good to the exclusion of everything else. However, most of our team see having a positive impact as just one important goal among several in their lives, and this means we'll often do things that aren't optimal from the perspective of doing good, and we think that's just fine. As an aside, even if your only aim were to maximise your impact, then you would still need to find a path that's sustainable for you, and to try to take care of yourself. Number 8. Play the long game and aim for steady progress When people first encounter these ideas, uh, it often takes them several years to work out how to apply them to their own lives Firstly, there's just a lot to discuss, and career decisions often require months of thinking On top of that, it can just take quite a while for the right opportunities to come along for you If you're not sure how to contribute right now, or don't feel able to, that's entirely normal Focus first on investing in yourself, learning more, taking small steps, and eventually you'll find yourself in a better position in the future In pursuing a better career, it can also be easy to slip into perfectionism and just never feel satisfied with what you're doing. Bear in mind that you've got limited time to make decisions and do things in life, and most of us need to cross the river by feeling the stones. Aim to find the best next step that you can given your actual constraints, rather than some unknowable and unattainable perfect option. It can also be easy to find yourself comparing what you're doing and how much impact you think you're having uh, to other people, but how much impact other people have just isn't relevant to your decisions at all or even to how you should feel about yourself. Unless you're literally the one person in the world having the largest impact out of everyone, there'll always be someone having more impact than you. What matters is that you're improving and fulfilling your potential. Bottom line. How to best choose a career with positive impact is a really complex topic, and it's also difficult to communicate about, and to apply to individual situations that people find themselves in. We do the best that we can to highlight ideas that we think will be useful to at least some of our audience without being detrimental to others uh, and try to do it in a format that lots of people can use. But the reality is we don't always get it right. We hope that by pointing out these challenges for our readers to bear in mind, it'll make our content more useful to you all. Thanks so much for listening to this article. You can find plenty more like that at 80,000hours.org. The 80,000 Hours podcast is produced by Kieran Harris. Thanks for joining. Talk to you soon.